Hi, you've tuned in to the Lovely Travels podcast where we talk about all things travel and adventure. My name is Emma Lovell, also known as Lovely, and I have a mission to visit every UN-recognised country in the world while raising awareness for mental health. Join me as we revisit some of my past adventures, speak to fellow travellers and interesting locals, all while following the journey to 195 countries. I'll be joined soon by my co-pilot, Darius, in Germany. And sometimes we're even going to hit the road together. Make sure to join in the adventure by following me on Instagram, Lovely Travels. You can also join our Facebook group, Lovely Travels Community, and learn more about us at the website, lovelytravels.com. But for now, it's listening time. Travel vicariously along with us. Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of the Lovely Travels podcast. With me here today is the equally, if not doubly lovely, uh, Emma. Hello, Emma. Hello. How you doing? I'm good. I'm excited. Excited about talking to your dad? To daddy! Daddy was my <laughs> guest on this episode. Fantastic. And... and um, what I haven't I haven't seen seen the old Brian in uh, in quite a many years actually. But um, well, what did you guys talk about on the show? Well, Dad and I have been to twenty countries together, which is pretty impressive. Um, yeah, and yeah, so he's and he's travelled a lot in his own right. Uh, but we talked about the fact that he moved from the UK to Australia when he was quite a young man. Uh, so mm-hmm. he is English. I am Australian. I was born in Australia. And, yeah, just talking about how that came to be and um, living overseas from the family and then, yeah, you know, how that led to more travel and and, and obviously I, I picked up on that and really ran with it. <laughs> <laughs> they always told me, they were like, go and travel the world, see the world before you settle down and I took that with a grain of a handful of salt and I really uh, all the salt yeah kind of kept going so anyway we had yeah lots of lovely memories come up um and just yeah he's a really good travel buddy my dad and it was fun to you know wouldn't wouldn't be the lovely travels podcast without the lovely Brian it's it's quite the parental theme we have going on recently <laughs> um yeah, yeah, got to get the families involved. If, if, that's right. And if uh, any of our listeners have a parent that would like to talk to <laughs> us, um, you, you can you can send us an email with their contact details. And it's we'll not get funny because I actually do have a few more. Like we will have a few more of my friends' parents coming on the show. So um, yeah, maybe we should so pull idea. out. Yeah, it's a great idea. So we love parents, we love travel, and we love combining the two and having an episode. That's right. Um, and to see how well such an episode can go, let's jump in and listen to this one. Let's do it. Ready? Yeah. Okay. So today on the podcast, I have a very special guest. Uh, welcome, Daddy. Hi, Emma. Uh, one of my favourite travel companions, my daddy. Uh, we've been to 20 countries together. We'll get into that. And I might have picked up a bit of the travel bug, as people call it, but uh, the travelling thing from you. I expect so. 
<laughs> I love travel and I really enjoy traveling with you. It's uh, You're a great travel buddy. Oh, I thank you. Uh, we have a little bit of a competition, don't we, Dad, with our, the number of countries we've been to? <laughs> yes, you're in front. <laughs> <laughs> just, just a couple, though. Uh, you've done very well um, with your travels and uh, I'm glad we can have a little bit of competitive fun. But mm. tell me, um, who are you? <laughs> how, do, how do we know each other, Dad? Okay, I'm Brian Lovell and I'm your father. <laughs> and uh, I guess, go yeah, on. There you go. I guess we've been travelling since you were old enough to remember. In fact, I don't even know if you remember, but you were something like 18 months and we went to London via Japan. That was our very first trip. Yeah, it was, um, I don't remember. Was it nice? <laughs> it was very nice and you enjoyed yourself too. Oh, good. I look happy in the photos. Um, yeah, we got lots of, so actually where if people wonder why I take so many photos and videos and, and things like that, I got that from you. Not me, no. Yeah, Never. <laughs> excuse me, chasing <laughs> us around with a bloody video camera. Yeah, so it's like that. <laughs> but I'm grateful because we have wonderful, um, lots of, Wonderful moments captured. So, Indeed. where do you live and where are you from? Okay, I live in Coogee, uh, which is New South Wales, Eastern Beaches in Australia, and I'm from the UK. I was born there, but I've been in Australia now for 39 years. Yeah, it'll be a 40th anniversary soon. Correct, next, next June. It's pretty mm. crazy. Um, yeah, so you were quite a young man. You're still a young man, but you were quite a young man when you moved to Australia. Why did you come to Australia? Okay, well, a number of people from our company had uh, had tried to do the exchange thing and, in fact, had asked to travel to here to do some work experience with our company. I thought, that sounds like a great idea. And I put it to your mother and uh, she said, yeah, well, let, let's do that and and then she thought about it a bit more and I think she felt it was quite a step. We got sort of through that and we only thought we'd be here for a year or two like people had done before. And my company were very good. They assisted me to, uh, to get here and uh, try the experiment. But as we, as we got into the lifestyle, as we met people, as we enjoyed, I guess, everything about Australia and saw a bit more, we put down some roots and then we had children. We had James, obviously, your brother first, and then you. And as time goes on, you become more entrenched. And it's a beautiful place, and I know that you know that, but uh, <laughs> uh, it becomes very hard to leave. And we love the fact that we can go home and see our family and travel and see other places, and that's really where we got the travel bug because we did visit a lot of places on the way there and on the way home. And... Uh, Obviously, never went back, but uh, lots of visits to home. Yeah, so you went, you were going kind of every year or two, but then once my little sister came along, Andrea, in 1990, I think the visits slowed a bit, didn't they? That's correct. I mean, it's very hard to travel with one, let alone two, and, and with three, it's very difficult. But, of course, it was important to, for both our family back home and yourselves and, of course, us to, to travel to see the family. But it becomes difficult and expensive, of course, but uh, we still went when we could and, and of course, uh, your family came to see us. And as you got older, of course, you're independent enough to travel yourselves. I think it was probably more expensive then, like comparatively to, like it would have been yes. the same cost for an airfare 
back like 30 years ago than it is now. Yes, more and more people have travelled and airfare or air prices have become cheaper um, before the COVID, of course, but uh, certainly that's the case. And uh, But really our holidays were planned around home visits for quite a while. Yeah. That's true. But we are very fortunate. Uh, yeah, we had our grandparents um, come out quite a few times from both sides and um, your siblings, various siblings and things like that. So hmm. despite living across the globe from one another we've built relationships with our english family and it feels like home both both feel like home mm. which funny well, to me because i never oh well, i did actually i did live there when i was 18 but we as a family never lived in the uk that's right but you've you've got to know them all as though as though you lived there and um and same with with your brother particularly, and of course, Andrea, your younger sister has too. So that's great because whilst we've been half a world away, both families know each other really well. And to be fair, sometimes uh, they see us more often even though we go over. <laughs> so you tell me. Uh, yeah, I saw Granny one time four times in a year. Uh, and I think she saw my cousins live a couple of hours down the road a little less. So Isn't that funny? It's, you know, it's quality over quantity and it's um, mm. distance sometimes uh, doesn't really make or break a relationship. It's, I guess, the effort you put in and you guys taught us that, which has been really lovely. And um, so mm. you when I, I think people say to me a lot, you know, oh, you've got the travel bug, but I'm like, Travel is just part of our, like it's in my blood. Like if we want to see our family, we have to travel. And, you know, so it's not necessarily, yeah, a, you know, an addiction or a something that we caught. It's just we just always travelled. It's, it's very normal for me to get on a plane and, you know, because that was part of our lives. Yeah, I understand. So you've done a, quite a bit of travel in your life. Do you know how many um, countries you've been to at the moment? I think it's around 40-something, 40, 40 a little bit. And why have you travelled so much and to so many different countries? Well, initially uh, I think obviously it was about going back home to see family, but as my job progressed I was required to do more and more international travel through work. So I did primarily in the Asian region, um, Asia-Pacific, uh, the islands, Fiji, Philippines, Southeast Asia, Hong Kong, Malaysia, Singapore, and then moved around that area. And then there was more travel to international destinations in Europe, USA, UK, etc. So, yeah, so you travelled a lot for work when I was a kid. I actually loved... Um, I used to collect dolls um, where you brought me back all these different dolls from all the different countries that you went to. And also I now have a habit of um, buying outfits for myself in other countries and that started with you bringing us girls, especially uh, outfits from different countries. Do you That's remember right. that? <laughs> I do, yes. First ones were I think from Nepal as two little purple outfits. Yeah, I think I've put that photo up before, but I'll definitely put it up again. It's um, very cute, if I say so myself. Yeah, it was cute. <laughs> um, yes, and then we started travelling as a family overseas. I guess you were going to a bunch of different countries and then we're like, well, we want to take the kids too. So mm. as a f 
family, we went to the US and the UK when I was nine. And then the next country, I believe, I went to Hong Kong with mum because her sister was living there, but you had been there before. Um, I mean, Hong Kong's part of mainland China, so we should put – actually, I didn't put China on our list. We should put China. So um, how many countries have we travelled to together? I think it's about 20, isn't it? Yeah, it is 20. 20. I'm going to rattle them off. Okay. Because I I love my list, so I keep my list. So we have – you know, you've got to count the country that we live in, Australia. Um, a few Australia is a country you've visited. Um, then we have India, the UK, Scotland, USA, Bahamas, St. Martin, St. Thomas, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, Thailand, Indonesia, Malaysia, Japan, Hong Kong. I've got Borneo here. It's not technically a country because it's part of India, Mala- uh, sorry, Indonesia, Malaysia and Brunei all own mm-hmm. a piece of Borneo. Then uh, Singapore, Fiji, Nepal, Austria, and Germany. Yes, indeed. And wow. 16 of them are counted towards my UN recognized list. So, uh, yeah. So that's pretty special. That's over, well, the course of my life. So, 30, over 31 years we've done that together. But tell me, of those, um, do you have a special memory from any of those? places yeah I, I've probably got quite a lot of special memories and sometimes uh, you you recall the memory based on another event so if you just said what's your favorite place I don't really have a favorite because they're in all continents and they are remarkable places in their own right but highlights I suppose would have to be Austria Germany uh, because of the culture uh, the architecture and the history and some of the spectacular scenery. Then uh, talking about scenery, Nepal, I've been to Kathmandu a couple of times and you and I trekked in the Himalayas once. I know you've been to base camp Everest twice, but I didn't get that far, nor did we plan for me to, but I did a week there with you. That was amazing. Um, And one thing also, the first time I did a flight along the mountaintops of the Himalayas, we took off from Kathmandu and I was enjoying the rising up from the foothills and looking at the clouds in the distance. And um, as we flew a bit further, I realised those clouds in the distance were, in fact, the mountain peaks. They were so high in the sky from Kathmandu, which isn't at sea level, it's 600 metres up. It seemed like they were clouds, but they were the mountain peaks that, that will stay with me forever. Um, that was the mountain flight. That was, um, yeah, so it's pretty cool. Sometimes you've gone and done something and then I've gone and done it after and then other times I've done something and then taken you back to do it or you've gone back Correct. and done it. So, yeah, you went to Nepal the first time in the 90s, I would have, 93 or something? Um, 94. And in fact, I didn't actually, did, we did the flight, but I didn't get to see Everest. So when I, when I went back in 2003, I took, took the flight again and uh, this time um, the clouds uh, cleared or the mist and fog cleared and there was uh, there was Everest, which is quite something when you know all your life that that's the tallest peak in the world. So that was a, certainly a standout. Um, taking Looking at India and the Southeast Asian subcontinent, India's architecture and history is again amazing and once again the Taj Mahal was a highlight. Standing um, inside the courtyard before you go through what is part of the outbuilding and it's like a tunnel 
And you can just see, of course, light at the other end. You can't see what will, what will become the Taj until you get about halfway through and suddenly it appears like a little like a little monument in the distance, like a little picture. And then as you walk further, it becomes larger and larger until it's in its full view. Just amazing, isn't it? Yeah, and we did that in 2005. So you last minute asked me to, if I'd like to go to India with you. Um, I was 17 in my last year of school and I was like, uh, yes. <laughs> so <laughs> I only had like two months before. And I remember, and it was very nice, I think it was my first business class experience and we were on the top level of the um, Qantas plane. That was really cool. There were only 11 seats and I think there was only like four of us up there. So we had very nice service. Um, got a little bit of insight into your life in that respect. Mm. And we landed into Bombay and I just burst into tears. It was like I don't think I'd really prepared or been um, – I don't know, hadn't had the time like usually you do for a trip to to kind of go, I'm going and getting excited. It just had happened to come up so quick. Um, and you smell Bombay before you get there because you smell it. And then as we were coming in, it looked like there was all this dirt and just like like a dirt field. And then when we got closer, I realised it was the slums. It was five kilometres of slums right up to next to the airport and there were people standing next to the runway at their shanty houses and I just, the, it was just instant, like we are 100%, <laughs> you're not in Kansas anymore and I just burst into tears. I couldn't believe we were actually there and um, it was you know, that taxi ride from the airport to the five minutes away, there's a hotel very close to the Mumbai airport because we had to fly out the next morning uh, and that car ride, you and I were just sitting in the back going, oh, my God, oh, my God. <laughs> it's just they the, the car in front was the hotel, same going to the same hotel, but they were nearly hitting each other and it was like, oh, my God. It's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> the traffic. And then we were so fortunate. Your colleague, wonderful colleague, um, came, Sarosh, came to meet us that night. And this is the cool thing about your, your job, Dad. Like you work, I should, we should have said probably before, you work in international freight forwarding and so having gone to all these conferences, you've met friends over the years and Sarosh had actually been to Australia in 1999 when you hosted... Um, the World Congress of Fiata. And so I'd met him then and he's, you know, good, very fond of my mum as well. And to meet him then in India in his home place and to have a meal with him at this at our hotel, it was just kind of mind-boggling and, and really beautiful mm. and it showed me the importance of relationships. Yeah. And, right. and of, you know, friendships, cross-cultural friendships and, you know, um, I've subsequently been to India eleven to, uh, 10 times after that, 11 times now, <laughs> just a few more than you. Uh, than you, really, you know, you introduced me to it and, you know, and now I go and I go and have lunch with Sarosh on my own, you know, if he's a family friend. So right. it's really nice. So that was very magical. And on that same trip we met uh, Sundar who um, Sundar had, is from Nepal and he had actually hosted you in in. Kathmandu in 2003 mm -hmm. and then in 2006 Sundar hosted me in Kathmandu. Yes. That's how it works. It's really beautiful that we have these, um, you know, these colleagues of dad's, you know, they treat me like a, a niece or, you know, something like that and I call them in Asia, it's very respectful, you call um, someone older, generally uncle. So I have a uncle in Thailand, I have uncles in Nepal, I have uncles in India, I have uncles in Singapore, Malaysia. <laughs> Sri Lanka, Bangladesh. 
we've got uh, lots of extended friends and family around the world now, mm. which has been awesome. So, but yeah, it was fun going to Austria and Germany. You had been to Austria and Germany before, but um, mm-hmm. Austria for conferences, uh, you'd been to Vienna and Salzburg. Mm-hmm. Love Vienna. Vienna's just a magnificent architecture and history. Um, and Salzburg, pretty, again, um, very picturesque. And we were there around a beer festival time in um, 2000, let me think now, 97, 97 Salzburg. And, um, yes, we ended up in a beer beer hall. We did the Sound of Music tour, visited the castle, listened to uh, Mozart and Beethoven uh, concertos and things like that. Really nice. But in, um, sorry, in Vienna, we, uh, we were treated our conference one of the nights of the conference uh, received um, a dinner at the Guild Hall, I think it was, or the Gold Hall, I should say, the Gold Verein, and they performed the full New Year's Eve concert to our uh, to our guests in the in the Congress, which was magnificent. Yeah, it's um, it's such a beautiful place, and it was really fun to then go back together because you hadn't actually been back to Germany. You went when you were sixteen on an exchange from school? Uh, in Germany, I went when I was 13, actually. Ah. My first and overseas trip was to Germany. Wow. And then, but, and you learned German. I learned German at school. That was my, um, I guess, my chosen language at school, um, which came in useful later on, but only as a sort of very much a part-time language. But you, you remember it when you learn it young. You remember the basic conversation. Um, Can you say a little of, message to Darius? I like to embed them in my podcasts. Wie geht es Ihnen? Hallo, Darius. Alles Gute? <laughs> Danke, mir geht's super. Ich hoffe, dir auch. But it was fun because then I've subsequently learned German um, from I've been 10 times now. And so then it was funny going back. Um, you hadn't been back for something like 45 or maybe more, <laughs> 50 years maybe. And we went back together and, uh, and you know, then I'm hosting you in Germany. 317, yeah. Uh, was that a strange – you hadn't been – you'd been to Stuttgart, but you hadn't been I've been, been to Stuttgart to- in the southern region uh, in, in that area. We visited and tripped around for a few weeks with the family I stayed with, visiting castles and things. But when I went back with you to Munich, I'd never been to Munich, and um, that was a, a fantastic experience at Christmas time, not exactly at Christmas time, but just before. And you take me to the Christmas markets, which are just wonderful. And uh, all of that same experience. Of course, um, sorry, Munich has got a very dark history, of course, as being uh, the place where Hitler's power rose. But they do, uh, they do teach you that and, uh, and it's important that we understand where it all came from and the horrors that, that followed. But um, Munich is, is just a wonderful place. And seeing the Glockenspiel, and we went to the Hofbrauer House, and uh, we had a Steins of beer, and my favourite uh, Schweinshaxen, which is the pork knuckles. Yeah, well. <laughs> and then we and we drove, and it, it snowed, and we went then to Kutai in Austria, and you got to ski for the first time. I did. You taught me to ski. I think I went about fifty metres downhill. <laughs> I fell on my back two or three times and said, that's it. He said, what do you mean? And I said, well, I've, I've done skiing now. Let's take the gear back to the, <laughs> the high place. So, yes. 
I did walk up the up the the hillside to where you were uh, snowboarding, and we had lunch at that hilltop uh, restaurant in the snow. That was wonderful. Yeah, it's really it's Kutai is like your quintessential charming uh, sort of chalet experience. Like what you think the snow right. looks like, like a in a snow globe. That's what Kutai looks like. Fantastic. And we were very fortunate because I have some beautiful friends who own the hotel and so uh, we had a lovely room and uh, we were mm. treated very nicely yep. there in Österreich, Austria. And then we went to Innsbruck, which Innsbruck. is… Uh, before that, we went to the Neuschwanstein, the beautiful fairy tale castle that everyone sees in pictures from uh, Ludwig um, Fourth, I think, back in the late eighteen hundreds, that magnificent castle, and we um, took the the pony trek ride, or the the horse and cart ride up the hill to the to the castle with the other people. It was wonderful, wasn't it? In the snow, oh, it's absolutely charming, and it was snowing, yeah, so much that we couldn't actually see the castle, and then all of a sudden, we didn't even know which direction to look. Mm. Uh, where, where are we going? And then all of a sudden, you know, no, some clouds appear. You know, the cloud, the fog lifted, and there it was. So it was quite a magical experience. A bit uh, dicey on the roads, but um, oh, you did a great job. Back to the airport. <laughs> did a great job driving in that snow, and uh, I was very proud of the way you handled those conditions. Um, but uh, you seemed confident, so that was excellent. Yeah, is it funny uh, having you know traveling with your children, and now us, you know, sort of, you know, because we've traveled quite a bit with my brother too, and taken my sister as well to conferences so we've all had mm. the experience of going to on trips mm. with you is it, is it weird that you know you used to take us on holiday and now we're taking you on a holiday <laughs> sometimes yeah especially when we go back to the UK and uh, we go to places around the UK and I, I fumble with the coins and the money and and you said dad you're from here don't you know and I said oh, just it just confuses me a little bit and the you know, one pound and the two seen. pound coin are the opposite yeah. to Australian. The, the size is the, the, right. the UK yeah. is logical. The Australian one is not logical, but we're used yeah. to it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, that is a fun experience. Yeah. And you know, I took Dad into London, and even though Dad grew up an hour from London in in Twickenham, um, you know, he didn't go into London that much. And the funny thing as well is, I've now been to quite a few more European countries than you've been to. It's mm. because when you were younger, people used to, what, you went to Spain or Greece for family holidays and it was mm-hmm. kind of it, was Spain, it? Yeah. it was. I mean, going to London for us was like a Christmas, um, do the Christmas shopping, see the lights, that sort of thing. And, and occasionally you take, um, say, vis- visitors up to London, but, you know, two or three times a year you might go there. But uh, there we were travelling around London and you were showing me places I'd, I'd never seen, which is which was quite strange in a way. But, yeah, it was good fun. It's, yeah, it's, but it's funny. Um, English people back when you were living there, and this is the early 80s and the 70s when you were actually an adult, um, you didn't travel to Europe the way we do now. No, that's right. Travel was, was for a holiday, you know, once a year or something and, and often you just went round to your, to the UK sites or the UK holiday sites, but occasionally you went overseas, you know, to Europe. Um, and the common market was there then, you know, in the late 60s. So the common market was sort of small, but European travel was just not that common, not, not, not like it is these days or before COVID. Unbelievable. Just one experience I remember uh, 
you, you mentioned Innsbruck and we didn't talk about that, but Innsbruck is just one of the most magnificent Christmas cities, isn't it? It looks like a postcard. The city is, yeah. is magnificent and to be there. I would love to go. I've never been in summer. I've been a few times in winter and it's mm. just so charming. It's but lovely. they've got these, it's surrounded, you've got the river through going through the city and then you've got these surrounded by the mountains. and just houses. Very, yeah, very, very easy to get around, very accessible. And we, we made the correct choice of we could have stayed a bit cheaper outside the city and then we would have had to drive in. But instead we stayed at, um, you know, and sometimes like you got to look at, you know, we stayed at the Hilton in the end and it was mm. like, I don't know, 50 bucks more a night or something each, you know. Mm. So it was like, but we woke up, opened the curtains and there's the mountains and there's the entire city. That's right. You know, it's so sometimes you pay a bit more but you get the better experience. It meant we just could walk into the town and we, and because mm. it's very cold, so you just you my go feet out got and cold. Do you remember? I bought some boots. I had to buy these. Well, I ended up buying these nice leather boots with <laughs> you like didn't a wool. have to buy leather boots. Dad. I didn't, nor did I have to get the one with a lamb's wool interior, but they were comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> this is the difference between traveling when you're 30 and traveling when you're 60. <laughs> Actually, you don't want to, you know, you want to travel in style. It was, it was good fun. Like when we went to Nepal and you said you went, the, the guy at the Kathmandu store must have had a bloody field day, Kathmandu store being the Kathmandu brand, and then mm. we were, you were going to Kathmandu. It was quite funny. But, you know, you said I'm going to do a trek and this guy just <laughs> saw dollar signs. I think you bought every single trekking item available. <laughs> I did buy it when it was on discount, which is good. <laughs> <laughs> but you've used it again, haven't you? You've used your boots again and... I have, but not that often. But it's good fun to, yeah, to uh, to, wear, to wear some gear and in the cold climates when you don't normally have to. It's good fun to dress up. <laughs> yeah, but it's funny because you don't like the cold. And I say you're English. No. I know, but I've acclimatised. I've been in Australia for 40 years. It's amazing <laughs> how your blood thins out like engine oil. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so, yes, of all the countries you've been to, I know it's very hard to say, but do you have, not and not the ones you went to with me per se, but do you have a favourite country? No, you know, I get asked that question and you've asked it again, but really there's so many highlights in, in so many different countries that there's no real favourite. I would go back to a number of places again. And I tell you what, since I've been back to the UK with all these holidays I've now had and time to look around, some of the places like the Highlands of Scotland, the north of Wales, beautiful, just beautiful countryside. And it's where you came from. Um, southern Germany. In Asia, I'd, I'd pick probably, I guess, some of the Indian architecture, of course. But some of the, I guess, some of the South Asian beaches are beautiful too. You loved and, Sri Lanka, didn't you? You've been there twice yeah. now, three times. Sri Lanka's got a lovely uh, culture and just beautiful, beautiful green valleys and hills and rivers um some of the usa grand scenery there magnificent and uh, of course russia there's st petersburg which has the most magnificent buildings and when i went there in 2005 it was two years after the 300th anniversary of, of st petersburg being declared a, a city and um they they refurbished all of the major buildings all the palaces so all the beautiful colours of the palaces, the gold, all standing out very clearly and just unbelievably magnificent. We should so, say St. Petersburg's in Russia. Yes, correct. That's right. 
What did I say? Oh, you said St. Petersburg, but I mean. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I didn't miss the country. Okay. And then we've done our Caribbean cruise. So we've seen the, the magnificence of the Caribbean islands, St. Martin, St. Thomas, you know, with its pirate history and it. it's uh, it's very different experience and you there. didn't think that was pretty random, actually. You you weren't sure if you were in for a cruise and then we started to talk about and I had been on one, uh, both my brother and I, um, separate years, but we did the schoolies cruise, which was our, in Australia, when you finish high school, you go on schoolies and so it's a week on a boat with 2,518-year-olds, which is super fun when you're 18. It'd be a disaster any other time. But I loved the cruise experience and I was sort of talking to you about it and you said, oh, I I've never done one and I don't know if I would do one. I don't know if I'd like it. And we just started to look into it a bit and, you know, get a bit dreamy about it and um, do, we decided to do it. But it actually turned out to be very difficult to book cruises from Australia um, mm. to the US. So we saw all these great deals online, very reasonable, like $1,000 US for a week, which is really great, about $1,600 Australian dollars. But they um, just wouldn't, we couldn't book or we'd heard of people booking and then getting there and not being allowed on. Mm. So essentially we're going to have to book through a travel agent and then the travel agents want to double the price and it was like, well, it's not really cost effective. Uh, So then funnily enough, I was in India (laughs) chatting to some people I met at a party who happened to be travel agents and I said, oh, we'd actually, you know, about to book a cruise but then it didn't work out and they said, oh, that's silly, we're Indians and we go on cruises in America all the time. Like, you absolutely you can do it. And so then we ended up booking through them to go on this cruise, um, mm. you know, and the reason it all came about because I said, hey, Dad, I'm going to be in L.A. in 2011 visiting our relative, uh, Cousy Bill, who's been on the podcast as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, you had won because dad, my dad has a brilliant knack for winning things. <laughs> he's very lucky things, yeah. and you had won business class airfares that's right <laughs> so we're like well you don't have to pay anything for your flights um i'll already be there let's do it and we did it and we did it and we went to florida we did to florida you took me to uh the um the uh museum the uh cat canaveral Music, well, NASA you took museum. me to NASA. I didn't want to go to oh, um, the Kennedy Space Center. You, you wanted to go, and I reluctantly, like a child, uh, was dragged in. It's, it's you got to, you got to see it. It's, you know, yeah, it's the Space Kennedy Center. I didn't get Kennedy to see it Space all, but, but it would have been uh, even more amazing if I'd gone out to see the the uh, Saturn V rocket. But we got to see a lot of the NASA Control Center, and that was that was fascinating. Yeah, we, we and then we did the, the cruise. Well, we also went to Key West with a detour via Miami. That's right. Because our flight was delayed and they um, were terrible and didn't let us on. So we had to spend a night in Miami. I know, it's terrible. <laughs> and buy clothes the next morning because we didn't have any clothes. So to speak. Seems to be a habit with you. <laughs> other than when. <laughs> buying clothes in other places. Yeah. And then so we, we went to Key West, which we'd planned anyway. And that was a lovely three days in Key West, which was. Amazing down there at the bottom of the Florida Keys before we took our cruise. Yeah. 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 We've had some quite some adventures, uh, let's say. Um, But my favourite, my favourite adventure of all, and I I did actually, we have uh, an Indonesia episode. Um, Our Indonesian episode will be number 40, I believe. Um, So tune in back then. 
But uh, I saved this story for when you were on. Do you remember what happened when we were in Borneo? Oh, yes, of course I do. <laughs> should I, Am I tell, it? tell it? Should yeah. you? <laughs> well, uh, we were going to um, Sandakan, which is where the uh, orangutan sanctuary is and also the magnificent uh, New South Wales Memorial for the the uh, what were called the death marches from Sandakan to, to Rabaul during the Second World War, where um, around 2,000 Australian soldiers sadly died on those marches. But it's a magnificent memorial. So we had a lovely day there. And then on the way back, we took a different plane, a different route. That's okay. We Back to Kota Kinabalu, we should say. Back to, sorry, yes, And anyway, about uh, halfway through the flight, we landed at this airport and uh, we thought we were there. Sorry, we thought it was just a, a, a pickup stop for, for other people. Um, no, no, we, no, the you tell plane us stopped. About. So because, you know, and if a plane stops, then it's your airport. And it was a small airport, but, you know, it's Borneo, it's an island, and we're like, oh, you know, like some airport places, you know, if you have the main airport, like you have the Tullamarine Melbourne Airport, and then you have Avalon, which is a smaller airport. So, like, this just must be the smaller airport. Mm. So we're in a great mood and we get off the plane and bye-bye, wave off, walk into the little, there's this tiny little hut, which is the customs area, walk in and there's a little man at the glass window and we wave to him and and uh, then we're like, oh, look, the plane, you know, people get on the plane, we're like, oh, let's watch the plane go. You know, that's fun. Let's watch our little plane go, take off again. Uh, and we stood there and we watched the little plane and videoed it and, bye bye and then we turned around to get a cab and walked up to the taxi driver and we said um take us to the Grand Hyatt please and he said no like oh why not like we want to go to the Grand Hyatt and he said no and I said Grand Hyatt Kota Kinabalu and he said I can't go there I said why not and he said because it's four hours away 200 (laughs) kilometers (laughs) <laughs> we ran back into this building and this tiny little hut and we were like, that was our, our plane had stopped. We said, well, where are we? And he said, you're in Kudat. Welcome to Kudat. Where's Kudat? And we had, didn't, you know, apparently planes make stops like buses and uh, let passengers off and let them on. And you actually work in the freight industry and this is like a massive security like, no, no, you don't just let passengers off. Um, we, we luckily only had our day bags. It's not like we'd left luggage on there or anything, but they didn't check that. They didn't ask us where we were going, what we are doing. Just off we walked, off the plane, uh, into Kudat. And so lovely Peter, I'll never forget him, Peter, our driver. The driver. <laughs> I said, we were, you know, we were outraged and we said, take us, we need to talk to Malaysian Airlines. It was Malaysian Airlines, sub, you know, sort of, sort of small company of, Subchapter of Malaysian Airlines said, I need to go to Malaysian Airlines. He said, ah, I know where the office is. We said, Peter, take us to the office. Uh, so he pulls up at a petrol station and we're like, mm-hmm. And uh, he took us in and inside the petrol station was a small desk with a sign above it saying Malaysian Airlines. <laughs> and, of course, right. the person wasn't there. Um, you know, and we're like, well, okay, we'll just we'll just get a plane another day. And Peter said, well... The plane goes to Kota Kinabalu once a week on mm. Wednesday. So we weren't getting the plane. 
So we're like, okay, we just we need to we need to have somewhere to stay. We're going to be here for the night. So he said, take us to the best hotel, Peter. And I'm just we're driving through this little town, and there's these little like um, three story buildings, and you're just like, oh god, what you know, what's it going to be like? And I just picture this like just like cockroach infested room or something. I'm just picturing the worst, and we're both hanging on, just going, oh my god. But he pulls up at a golf resort, um, which mm. is actually quite fabulous. Um, unfortunately, we were in too much of a foul mood to really appreciate it at that moment. Bless Peter. He's been so lovely. He said, I can't believe it. First time. First time to Kudat. Never been to Kudat. But now you're in Kudat. <laughs> he was very proud of it. He was so wonderful. And so, um, anyway, long story short, uh, we got our huffy pants on and we got onto the hotel in um, the Grand Hyatt, Kota Kinabalu, and they arranged a car which was to come the next day and drive us back. And That's once right. we did calm down a little bit, we realised it was actually quite a funny story <laughs> and a beautiful place. And the drive back was phenomenal. We actually got to um, drive past Mount Kota Kinabalu mm-hmm. uh, or Mount Kinabalu, which is a place people travel to Borneo to see. So we... Wouldn't have got to see that otherwise, would we? And through the jungle and there was two drivers, one who drove there and one who drove back and they had uh, program stops at the different little places where we could buy some drinks or just, you know, souvenirs, of course, they'd try and talk you into. But it was a good experience and the hotel, the hotel we were staying at in KK looked after us. But, uh, of course, they denied any responsibility about telling us about stops or any of that stuff and... Uh, but that's that's what happened. Yeah. So top travel tip: um, when you get on a plane, ask if it stops anywhere. <laughs> and don't get off if it does. <laughs> uh, but yes, this is, and we just, you know, as we've said, we're quite experienced travellers. This was this was about seven years ago, so it's not like we were newbies to this or anything like that. We've both travelled quite a lot, and for it to happen. To like people couldn't believe that it happened. But I, I mean, what we're left with is. A wonderful travel story. That's right. I did write to Malaysian Airlines and pointed out all the security issues, and <laughs> as I would do because of my role in, in in the industry. But anyway, that's that's beside the point. Um, <laughs> just, I, I've mentioned. Sorry, you asked me a question, but I should have mentioned Egypt. Going to Egypt for for the first time to see the well to go to a Congress, but afterwards to spend some time there and see the pyramids and all the wonderful historic architecture, and then take a trip down the Nile and. Um, Unfortunately, you weren't with me, but I, I was had the pleasure of having my your sister, my other daughter, to, uh, accompany me to, for that trip. So she got to experience the Nile and the Egypt experience for her twenty first birthday, which was lovely. Yeah, we've um, <coughs> we've all been very fortunate to um, to travel with you, both work and pleasure, um, <coughs> and that's been wonderful. So I definitely get my uh, travel inspiration from you. Mm. Um, can you tell us where do you want to go next? Well, I really haven't been much to South America except for Cancun in Mexico, but I haven't travelled to to all the wonderful uh, c- cities and, and countries within South America. You have, I know, and uh, Machu Picchu is one of your highlights and I have other friends who have been to Galapagos Islands. I don't know if I'll get there. I've no burning desire to do that, especially at the moment with all the COVID problems, but uh, I think South America is somewhere where I'd like to get to eventually, yes. 
Oh, that would be wonderful. And I, um, Dad has a big is a big fan of trains, so I said, perhaps as you reach those golden retirement years, um, you know, doing great train adventures of the world would be. So for me, one of the trips I'd really love to do, and I've been to all uh, two of the countries on the route, but not all. I'd love to do the um, Siberian, the Trans Siberian train. Oh, yeah. I so love tra- long train, but that's a long train journey. That really is. China to Mongolia, through China, Mongolia, and Russia. Mm. So. I've done the Indian Pacific, which is across Australia, and that's pretty good um, because you get a completely different countryside from the Blue Mountains across the, the plains, you know, the Nullarbor Plain, uh, to the, so the dry, arid areas right through to Perth. So you see a, a vast array of countryside doing that three-night trip. Mm. Brilliant. And then, yes, in Machu from um, – Cusco in Peru to Machu Picchu town, you can get a train. And so that's why I, re- I recommended to Dad that that might be a way to, to go and see that. So yeah. add it to the list, our ever-growing list. And if you have one travel tip, apart from don't get off the plane in the middle of nowhere on in a country you don't know, uh, what travel tip would you give? You really do have to always have a, a mindset of, of security and looking after yourself. It's not always easy when you're having great fun with your friends and, and family, but you do really have to be mindful of your money particularly and, and whenever you're carrying your passport, that's that's a particularly important document. Um, so safety, you know, personal security and things like that, you never know when things can happen, but you can at least be mindful of, of those important things. That is such a dad response and David Fielder would be so proud. I was a friend of ours who's into security, but it's easy forgotten these things when you're having fun and things can happen. Big but you know, loose and fancy free. Yeah, I've got, sorry, I should mention our other child or uh, your brother James. He's a great traveller too. And and talking about your experience of teaching me around about London, well, I went to the states where I've been many times, and he planned as he spent nine months there. He he planned this wonderful trip around three or four states in the north, Ohio, um, sorry, um, yes, Ohio, uh, Wisconsin, Illinois. We went down through um, Kansas. We went down to Tennessee and he planned this trip for about two weeks and just showed me everywhere. Went to museums, cars, Literally everywhere. Yep. And he planned everything to the minute. So we could stop at McDonald's for a quick snack and come on, Dad, on we go. So he's a great traveller too, but that was a good experience. We definitely have um, different travel styles these days. Um, I hope to get my lovely brother on the podcast too because we've had the um, good fortune of travelling together as well, which is um, in uh, Mexico, USA, UK, Germany, and then obviously wherever we've been with in the family. So, um, yes, the Lovells can can and will travel. Um, you know, and as Dad says to me uh, about me, he says, uh, don't invite Emma to your home or to your country because unless you want her to come because she will. <laughs> when people say, oh, you must come and you meet people and you say, oh, you must come and visit us. Well, Emma does, but not everyone would do that. <laughs> I do. And she's the most, most gracious guest, I'm sure she. But I always have an invitation. Done. I always welcome them back too. So the door yeah. is always open. Okay. Oh, I love you, Dad, and I love traveling with you. So thank you so you much too, for coming on the podcast. <laughs> My pleasure and uh, enjoy. And um, Merry Christmas. Sorry, we've done that. Happy New Year. <laughs> thank you. Okay. Bye bye now.
Well, thank you for listening, everyone. And thank you, Brian, for being on the show. Thank you, Emma, for taking the time to interview your dad. And thank you, listeners, for listening. Um, Just the usual reminders that you can uh, get in touch with us uh, on the Facebook, on the Instagram. Um, I should probably mention what the places are called, but just type in Lovely Travels and you'll find us. We have a Facebook group, um, we have a Facebook page, um, we have a website where you can read about the travels and you can also um, like and subscribe. Is that a thing? I think it's a thing. Um, subscribe to us, leave a review on iTunes, um, recommend uh, this episode about Emma's dad, Brian, to your friends. Um, we, we, as you know, we have a big catalogue of, of episodes you can check out and, um, yeah, it's kind of hard doing these by myself because no one stops me rambling, but, um, thank you for listening. Thank you for being here with us and, uh, can't wait for you to tune in next time on another episode of the Lovely Travels podcast. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.